So you're a fan of Atlanta United. And you heard ATL on Fire has crazy insights to your favorite team. Or maybe you're just here for the crazy. Amar said it? You've got to be kidding me. Nah, I'm here to produce, keep the sanity, and of course, drink wine. Or maybe to hit the buttons. And crank up the crazy. Whatever you're here for, we're going to talk about it all. I'm Dave Cass. I'm Mikey Dobbs. And I'm Carmen Butler. And this is... The ATL on Fire Podcast Show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of ATL on Fire, the podcast where we talk all things Atlanta United Football Club. Joined as always by Carmen Butler and Dave Katz. How's everybody doing this evening? Great. Great. Very good. Good? Yeah. You're uh, doing a little stretch before surgery tomorrow? That's right. Let's take a moment to wish... Carmen, well, tomorrow. (laughs) Please, dear surgeon, do a good job and repair her so that she is back to awesomeness. I will take all well wishes. Thank you very much. Yeah. So I don't know how I'll get back to full awesomeness, even though I did ask for a bionic knee. Yeah. He said he could try. After my surgery, I told my kids (laughs) that I could now actually leap over tall buildings, but they didn't buy it. So, what does an ACL tear feel like? Like, like after it's happened, right? Like, what's the feeling? I've never knee? torn my ACL, oh, wow. Mikey Dobbs. <laughs> uh, you, you just had other. You were looking at me and Carmen. Uh, yeah, just Carmen. Oh, it was just me. Well, but actually, they say the ACL is not that awful. Like, if it was just the ACL, you have the option of not having it fixed. If you're not yeah. going to shift, like go sideways, like you're just going to run right. straight lines, it's an option not to have it fixed. If you're not going to go sideways, kind of like Brad on now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kind of like that. So, but it's the fact that I have some other stuff messed up in there that I said I had to have surgery. So, yeah, you want to take care of it, I think. Yeah, I think I'm done. I've retired from the sport. My love hate relationship Mm. with soccer, I think. More time for podcasting. That's right. Let's go. (laughs) I'm retired. Carmen's retired. Mikey Dobbs should be. No, fight the good fight, Mikey Dobbs. Carmen, if you want, I can maybe just, you know, kick him real hard during the <laughs> podcast and, you know, put an end to it. There we go. Yep. So, Dave, um, what's new with you? You've been to a couple of the games, including the one at home, which, by the way, I don't know if you know the scoreline, if you remembered, or you had too many of the good drinks in the club. Yeah. But it was five to one. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Are we back? Are we back? Are we back? Well, uh, well, are we back? Like that's, that's what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about it. Um, o- overall, um, just general impression of the game after we got a little lucky off of uh, <laughs> the first two minutes, a, yeah, a goal we'll that there. they scored that was really solid, I think, in around the two-minute mark. Pull back for offsides, kind of a screening move uh, of somebody who was in an offside position in front of Brad Guzan doing a little ole. I don't know about it, but... I guess we'll take it, but it was a pretty lucky offside call for us. Just I to can tell you put one things thing, in the right direction from the for having been at the stadium and watching. Brad Guzan was asking and looking around like, "What was the call for?" Which means he clearly <laughs> didn't feel obstructed. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, I think that that kind of body language of everybody in the field when the players don't know. Anything other than a goal happened maybe right. should stand. Right. So okay, <laughs> right. we get. We I want to say one more thing about that goal though. Yeah. Not only did that happen, but right in the buildup, right, um, it was uh, 
Ibarra, who went badly for the fake shot. I mean, he got yeah. fooled out of his shoes on that. <laughs> so, you know, if, if there was going to be a critique for that, he should have yeah. been in front of the guy, and yeah. he got fooled badly. And look, it's a long-range shot, right? So mm-hmm. hard, to, hard to put a lot of blame on anything there other than your point is Ibarra took the fake, and the guy did hit a completely great cracker. Yeah. Great the shot. Yeah, it was it a great was. shot. So that doesn't happen all the time. So I don't know what you take away from that other than Ibarra. Don't, don't go don't, for a bad fake. Don't go for the bad fake. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on your um, feet. Now, guys, I know we jumped right into the game here, but did we talk about the wine? Oh, we were oh, so we, excited about that. We didn't talk about the we're wine. We're so excited about positive stuff happening <laughs> in Atlanta United. Look at us ready to go. Yeah. That's what the producers what are, Yeah, for. what are we having here? <laughs> we have a Gabrielle Ashley. It's a uh, 2020 Cabernet Sauvignon from the Alexander Valley. Ooh. What do y'all think? Well, it's very that. nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give maybe a little more of an opinion after a sip here, but uh, it's nice. Okay. I like you. <laughs> Perfect pre-surgery Carmen, we're going to have to get yeah. a little bit you know, more from you <laughs> going forward. <laughs> the most I've gotten is complex. I like you, but I'll work on it. All I'll right. work on it. No, but it, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like overly sweet. It's just kind of a yeah. nice, smooth Cabernet, not not one extreme of the other, I guess. Yeah, it's rich. Sort of, just rich yeah. and, and easy drinking. It's pretty big. Yeah. Like, um, you know, most California Cabernets are pretty big, um, and this one doesn't disappoint. Absolutely. And before we get back to it as well, we want to thank our sponsor, Wild Heaven Brewery, as, as always, who, if you're not a wine drinker, you should be a beer drinker and go have a... Uh, they just had a big German thing on Sunday down there, so maybe some of y'all made it down there. Nice. There's usually always something going down at Wild Heaven Brewery. So, Yeah, I, you know, I think as we get later in the podcast, I want to talk a little bit about the supporter section, and I thought maybe Nick could become our supporter section correspondent. Ooh. We well, can bring him like in to that. talk about what's going on in the supporters clubs. I love that. And apparently we've found another really good tailgate spot that is across from where footy mob is, I think. So that might align really well to kind of grab them for a few minutes and get some pregame, you know, action there. Awesome. Sounds good. So right back into it, right? We're already a couple minutes into the Atlanta Portland Timbers game, right? So we've <laughs> we've let in a goal that got <laughs> Luckily, given back to us. Yeah, that that, uh, that really could have changed the whole tenor of the game. It could have. Fortunately, it didn't. <laughs> it's funny how things go like that. Uh-huh. And I will take a little bit of good luck right now, right? I will take it. Good luck? What's that? Um, well, it's it's a lot of hours of Is practice. Is that when they get a bad goal called back <laughs> yeah. for a non-existent VAR call? But yeah. out, outside of that, like, I don't know, even with that goal, uh, the way we continue to play certainly... Maybe it would have been 5-1 anyway. I don't you know. You kind of suggest that we might have come back anyway the yeah. way we played. But you never know. The, so, you know, you would say on the day we were good for it for sure. But, yeah. um, you know, you never know how the psychology is going to go. Right. Now, uh, what what else do you do you take away from the game? I've got a bunch of notes that are just random here. I, I actually <laughs> sat back and enjoyed a replay of it yesterday on the couch after a big St. Patty's Day party on Saturday. How was that, Mikey? It was, <laughs> it was fun, Dave. It was a lot of fun with our Irish friends. With, yeah. They have a bagpiper that is fantastic. Oh, my goodness. Robbie has been coming there for years. Wow. Um, really puts on a good show. And uh, it was. You were at somebody's house with a bagpiper? Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. All right. 50 yards away here. Yeah. That's not messing around. Yeah, not messing around. <laughs> it's it's not messing around. And he's Irish and he's got this his is whole family Is there like Ireland. noise ordinances or something? <laughs> well, luckily we, they. You know the mayor. Luckily they invite all the neighbors yeah. over. And so when karaoke kicks in at 2 a.m., I think usually only around then do maybe the police get called. So. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> So this was also a game where we f- saw the first start from George Yakamakis, right? No, no. First ninety or seventy minutes of them, right? Oh yeah, I take that back. I you take did, that yeah. back. We so were discussing first, it. No, that is start. my bad. We we were talking about it. We were we were trying to yeah. decide of the two things. We said there were two possible changes that we'd like to see, and it was Yakamakis, you know, coming in for Barry, which he did do. Right. And we, we we remember we said, you know, if he didn't do that, then he's really not looking at anything. Um, Pineda, that is. Um, and then the Marcetic was in. Yeah, we said we really would like to see Sosa. And we didn't think that was going to happen. So we got it right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And as much as I want to give a Marcetic a hard time, he was quietly invisible, which means he didn't do anything wrong in the game. But I don't know how much great he did. Uh, but I'll leave that at that. Um, I, I would like to relay a conversation that I had with our good friend Kevin. Right. Um, this was in the 70th minute. Kevin looks to me, he says, you know, first of all, Kevin says that he loves the podcast. It's, it's like he's now to try to figure it out. He's listened to all the Atlanta United podcasts right. and he really feels like this one is his favorite by far. So thank you, Kevin. Um, he said in the 70th minute, he turns to me. He says, what if Sadik scored? And I turned and said, don't worry, he didn't. Don't worry. Don't worry. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. He had a very, very good chance. He should have scored. And right. That's the difference. No. <laughs> uh, That's all I got to say about that. So I've got uh, one ATL on fire trivia question for you. Oh, Dave. goodness. Ooh. Hopefully you haven't looked at my notes and cheated no, here. No, I have not um, looked at your notes. Going into that game, what was the record for the number of offside calls Atlanta has had against ourselves in a game? In a single game, the number of single In a single game, yeah. I got no idea. I mean, it's got to be Joseph Martinez single-handedly has right. gotten three or four in a game. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with seven. No, a little too aggressive. Five. So okay. your first kind of barometer was right there. <laughs> There's, And it probably was Joseph Martinez with five. They didn't yeah. say on the TV, but they yeah. brought that up. And okay. George Yakamaki's had tied it and, and uh, they were, they, they, they were <laughs> talking about it. Record. And I was so excited about yeah, all those offsides. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I Absolutely. was like, cause they, first off on the TV, I was looking, they were really close. Mm-hmm. They weren't just like right. him, like floating. He ain't going to be offside every time. He's yeah. not going to be offside every time. And boy, that is putting a different element to the game with the defense already on their heels. Cause like he it. was making direct runs and only offside by a fraction. You could tell he wanted that goal, man. And yeah. I loved it. Yeah. That to me was one of the first big differences in him starting and obviously feeling comfortable with uh, his role in the team. I don't know. Did you guys notice that while you're on the, uh, at the stadium? Yeah. I some- have a, I, I, you know, I wrote in the 73rd minute, that Gigi's always running along 
the back line looking for the through ball constantly offside, but I like it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I agree with you. He's yeah. pushing, pushing, pushing. And I really also wrote that the counter attack looks much stronger um, with Gigi as a little bit of a bite and edge to it. I meant to, um, I meant to start off before the first minute of the game, mm-hmm. Gonzalo Pineda wearing a poncho, full poncho indoors. What do you think about that? Is that an interesting move? I don't know. What does that I say? I mean, I actually noticed it. Like, okay. I feel really? Because like, he started out like, at the beginning of the season. I'm too far to see that. I can't yeah. really like, see on, t- on TV, they show like, it's like yeah. a full, full poncho raincoat. And then he went to like the sweatshirt, and then yeah. he's like Is it because of the rain? Sweat. I don't know. He, he must <laughs> have some... Know. Anyway, Does he gonna, know that we have a roof? We're gonna have to. We're gonna keep it, Carmen. I'm gonna put you in charge All of this. Right. Now, like on the Pineda watch. Yeah, Pineda watch to I see kind of what kind of attire Side-line he's got. Pineda I cam. Like I, I like it. it. I will have images to put up on YouTube and everything. Fine. Excellent. I like that. Yeah. Excellent. That was insightful, Mike. Yeah, you really did weird. watch the game. I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this. Is, I mean, I don't know if y'all can see it on YouTube. But Mikey Dobbs and his notes. I mean, this is impressive I know. stuff. I want to right. hold it up for them. It's like, right. it no, looks like is... something out of a beautiful mind, you know, yeah. when uh, John Nash is like writing on the chalkboards and Completely stuff. Completely is. Uh, I've got to say, wait, 845. I don't know what that is. I got a WTF defense. I don't know what that what happened there. <laughs> Uh, I didn't write enough notes there, but that well, was one. That was one of the few defensive breakdowns we had nearing the twentieth minute. It, it looks like in my notes here. In the eighth minute, just before the eight forty-five, you know, Arujo plays Lennon out wide because he was inside, mm-hmm. and then Lennon played a really nice one-touch ball back to Arujo, who was open inside, but again, he was at the 25-yard mark, and he decided to shoot and blaze over. Yeah. So that, you know, is sort of the definition of what the problem was. Yeah. And another right. another thing I just want to point out that maybe hasn't changed. It changed during this game, but it was Lennon on the right with Araujo kind of in the same space. Lennon kind of cuts into the top of the 18, Araujo then is out wide and he kind of slots. Araujo is he's kind of kind of wrapping inside on a cutting run, and it was right on that razor edge of the back line, and he was offside. Yep. And we are saying that's part of the problem with yeah. that right side overload. Yes, there was a, there's a man advantage, but even in that case, it's it's such a timing thing to get it right, mm-hmm. and it really isn't working. That that particular type of overload, as we've talked, so I want to say that that was a really good insight that you had on that, and I and I I made notes on that. I mean, it was the exact scenario. Yeah, that, I think, think Araujo in tight spaces is not um, effective. It's not it's not what we want, right? Not yeah. to say he can't ever do yeah. things, but that's not what we want. Uh, and and was interesting on on another play like that. Uh, Araujo came back, and you know was at the top of the 18 and actually cycled it back across the other side. We ended up getting a goal from it. Um, so I also felt like Araujo, one of the things, he, he certainly had some moments where he bombed on the right side, which was extremely effective, whether he got fouled or transitioned it. But his transition, where he was playing it like all the way across the other side of the field, he had some really nice balls throughout the game. I would say two or three of those like just big transition balls that went all the way over to Wiley or somebody who was out on the other side of the field. So one thing about the the big, you know, balls is that um 
They Lennon and uh, Araujo can both really whip it across, right? They're both on the same side, so it kind of doesn't happen now. Yeah. But one of the things I was thinking, right? We kind of now have I don't know what we got to have a nickname for this. We got to come up with this. You're good at nicknames, Mikey Dobbs. So, <laughs> so I mean, on set pieces or corner kicks, right? We have Air Parata, mm -hmm. we have Papa Giorgio. And we have Miles Robinson all in the box. All three of those guys are tall. They are physical. And they will go after balls and can score goals on corners. And if you then combine it with Araujo with a left footer and Lennon as a right footer hitting in corners and whipping it in, we should score a lot on corners. Right. Now, one thing I will say, if you're listening, Pineda, right? And I know he's not because otherwise some things yeah. would be different. But... <laughs> But let's say he was listening, right? The statistics out of all the leagues across Europe say that uh, in-swingers have, I don't know, it's like a 5 to 10% higher score rate than out-swingers. Oh, okay. So what I would say is Lennon should be taking them from the left-hand corner and Araujo from the right-hand corner. So it's an in-swinger with those three yeah. guys, and we'll score. All right. So I agree with all of that. One of the things I don't agree with in my notes here is somewhere in the 60th minute, Dave, we had Miles, Parata, and, of course, Yakimaki's up there mm -hmm. on not a corner kick, but it was like a, a set, piece. set piece from like a – and I can't remember whether it was an in-swing or an out-swinger, but I, I noticed that there was no real threat when it came back out that the only – who was playing center back? Do you, do you, can you take a guess who was playing center back? I have seen them putting Wiley at center back. Yeah. It was cases. Wiley, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and the score is three nothing, right? Mm -hmm. And this is my point, right? Uh -huh. So if we need to score, sure, have Miles, Parata, and Gigi up there. But it's three nothing, Dave. What benefit do we get by not having Miles and or Parata back in that situation? It seems a little dumb. I don't know. Am I well, wrong three, on that? Well, it's actually interesting because okay. I felt it 2 nothing when we started the second half. I felt there were moments where a few times where we didn't have our three back that we've had back a lot this season, and we were vulnerable again. And I was like, at 2 nothing, why are we risking that? And what I said is that it says to me that that's not actually – an active tactic that, uh, you know, an active decision is sort of just part of the tactics. But I actually might argue at three, nothing. It might be okay to take just that keep chance because the gas on. you're hitting the gas. Cause yeah. honestly, even okay. if you get countered, you still got a two goal lead. So why right. not just bury him? So I, I, I think two, nothing is a lot different than three, nothing. Yeah. But yeah, if you, but if, I agree but, with you, but it, it should be a conscious decision. Yeah. And my, what I really agree with you is that I don't think it's a very conscious decision. Right. The team is not making, seeing score and, you know, situation. Right. Okay. Well, we'll see how that continues to transpire. If there's more of that in situations where we should be more conservative, whether that is a, is a conscious decision by yep. Pineda. Um, now, our first goal was, I think, in the 24th minute, if my notes are correct here. Yep. There was a, a ball kind of just cleared out of our backfield. Yep. A big lobber. Uh, one of the shortest players on Atlanta United was there in the mix. His name was Tiago Almada. <laughs> it bounces, and somehow their defense gets all twisted, and he somehow ends up on it with a, the ability to get a, a foot on it and plays just a lovely ball. What with, I want to say before you, you finish the, the, the thought, what's yeah. interesting on that play is that 
Wiley and Almada were both pretty forward. And that yeah. hasn't happened in a long time because they've been covering so much in for people because it's it has been in the past. It's been Abara or Sadich covering in for outside backs. And then because they're covering in for outside backs, then we even have Almada or Wiley trying to cover in for that. You know, it's just one after another, whatever. Yeah. If we don't do that madness... You know, as I've said multiple times, you know, the theme of that madness is Abara trying to play to Abara or Wiley in behind yeah. Gutman trying to play to where Wiley yeah. should be, right? And in that case, we didn't have it. And so I can't remember who, who kicked the ball out, but it was Wiley and Almada already up. Right. So go two ahead. Of our, yeah, two of our fastest, most nimble, you know, players are up there to, you know, make maybe some of the bigger defensive backs a little awkward and uncomfortable. And that's exactly what happened. And Almada has one second and plays just a nice little touch right directly up the gut of the field for Wiley to run on it. And Wiley scores his fourth goal of the season, Dave. Uh, and it was, he, it was his second touch that he decided to shoot. And I loved that. And he didn't go far post. He went near post with super confidence. It was like, didn't overthink it. Just composure. Great stuff. Tied in MLS for the leading goal scorer right now. Wow. Stop it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Look at these notes. Look at these notes. So there's two things I want to point out in addition to that. So one... I think that Almada got a little bit lucky. I think it went through the legs of the defender. It so did. so that's okay. But but the thing about it that's so classy, if you're out there, especially your your kids are out there, whatever, if you wanna know why Almada is classy, it's the weight on that ball. Yeah. The yes. weight on that oh. ball was Every lovely. Ball. Oh, and so Every ball. Pretty. There was a guy on Twitter today arguing with me on our account. You can go look at it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was saying, like, how composed and how great his passing is. Oh, my gosh, his passing. I was like, I don't even know. And this guy was saying his passes. He was like, he's not a good passer. And I'm like, what? In he's the a better passer than he is even a goal scorer, yeah. for and sure. And this guy was like, I can't wait to see him go to Europe and sink. I was like, well, first off, you got a lot of anger in your life, I guess. But <laughs> we'll sort that out. Um, so, Juan, if awesome Juan, if you're listening, uh, you don't know what good passing looks like, my friend, because he <laughs> had so many lovely little touches and it doesn't matter where people go. He's able to put it. He can lob it. He can curl it. Or in this case, just put the, the right weight on it. So Wiley just all he has to do is have a good first touch and goal. The other thing that you saw on that play, which really bodes well for the future, is Wiley is looking over and he ever so slightly hesitates so that he can time the run offside. Most 18-year-olds run straight offside there and get yep. called for it. He looked over. He gave that extra hesitation, allowed him to stay on. I mean, yep. you can't teach that. That yeah. is that, – that, I mean, Wiley, keep doing that yeah, because that's yeah. really good. Yeah. And I love the fact that Wiley is benefiting from a good player around him because mm. sometimes that's a little bit of what you need in your career is, a, is you need other good players around you. And so good on Wiley taking advantage because, you know, if Jackson Conway would have been on those balls, I'm not sure that they would have gone on the back of that. <laughs> no. All right. So the other thing I want to say in the 26 minutes, this is only two minutes later, this is like, the, it, the ball starts rolling here. Like, we, yep. we're we on the front foot. This is over and over and over. fun to watch. Araujo gets the ball on the right side and just cooking. 
I mean, he is so fast, goes down the right line. Um, and instead of being decisive going in the box, he kind of holds off and then comes back. And the ball comes across the box to, uh, I think, George Yakamakis, who cuts it back uh, to Almada, who tries to like play with the outside of his foot on the near post and misses. But again, just like this close to another goal two minutes later. One thing that was interesting, as I think I've pointed out, so I think that's the exact same player that you're talking about. So Ariuja goes all the way sort of the end line, and he super fooled the defender. You know why he fooled that defender, Mikey Dobbs? No. Because he should have crossed it. Everybody in the world thought he was going to cross it. He should have crossed it, and he wouldn't do it with his right foot. Mm -hmm. So he cut it back when he should have crossed it, and the defender was like, what? (laughs) It was totally fooled because he didn't want to use his right foot. So that is what happened because I was like, he's going to smoke him. And he he Uh, didn't have that little angle to take because usually he'll uh like cut him again and Uh burn him. All right. So that was the 26th. So it worked for him, but it wasn't good. (laughs) Dave, only two minutes later, we have another opportunity. You know who crossed it on the ground to George Yakimaki's Lennon. Yep. And and he had a perfect kind of point blank range, like either at the top of the box or just inside. Hits it decent, but the, right at the keeper or off to the side, the keeper makes the save. Should have been uh, number seven's first when, goal. This when season. Wiley, I'm sorry, when, when Lennon is put into that space and he doesn't have to take on yeah. the guy, he can really, as we've said over and yeah, over and over, a, he can really deliver a ball. He makes yeah. good decisions. He can whip in a ball. He actually sometimes slots it back. Yeah. He's good in that moment. We have, the, the objection to Lennon has never been that. The objection to Lennon has been, he's so far up that he's coming yeah. back to the ball. And when he gets the ball, right, he was in a situation we were using him all the time and he had to take on the guy yeah. and he's never going to beat the guy yeah. one-on-one. I know this is why it's so exciting to talk about it because all of the things that were kind of wanting to happen, yeah. there were things, and I want to get to your opinion on why that happened more in this game. Yeah, I think I think the big number seven up front personally has a lot to do with it mm-hmm. because as, sure. as I was saying out of the gates, he's creating another dynamic of speed and pestiness and a willingness to just make that run that's like this over-the-top thing that you saw to him or some a direct ball behind mm-hmm. that defenses now are going to have to account for that. So our ability to create chances now is all of a sudden really dynamic with him in in the uh, starting lineup. There was another play right around that moment where Araujo gets in. I don't know on live whether he, you know, maybe on the on the screen it turns out he would have been offside anyway. But he gets in basically at the penalty spot. He had a defender right next to him, but he was basically through. Yeah. He hit it with his right foot. And he only missed by like six inches yeah. left, right? Um, the th- So on the one hand, I think, look, a good player has got to score there. On the other hand, the other point that I'm going to make, I'm going to be optimistic, y'all. Ooh, optimism. Um, that I think if he's getting more of those chances routinely, he'll find a rhythm and he'll start scoring yeah. those. Here's what. Here's another example. This and is, that might be true yeah. the fact where he scores in the second half. It's because he had that chance earlier. Like, you just settle. When, when you have this moment, the coaches don't appreciate this too much. When you have a team that is not getting a lot of chances, 
right? Then what happens is that the players feel that weight that they have to score. And their coaches are like, look, we created an amazing chance. And sometimes you create an amazing chance that you absolutely should have scored on. And the coach goes ballistic. He said, like, we, we lost two to one or we, we only tied one one because we missed that obvious chance. And my retort is always that you cannot expect your players to score when they only have one chance. They have to be used to getting chances. And Paul Riley, who I you know used to coach with, used to say this all the time. He's like, all the coaches expect people to finish whatever when they don't have chances. You got to get chance after chance after chance. Then you find a rhythm. You start having people score. Yeah. Well, we sure win a rhythm uh, after our goal in the 24th minute. We had a chance two minutes later in the 26th. Another two minutes in the 20th. And now in the 30th, uh, somebody plays a long ball way up the left side to Almada, who has just a gorgeous first touch, um, you know, advancing into the into the other half of the team's uh, side. Cuts it in. Who's up there? Araujo bombing into the box. He lays another perfectly weighted ball yeah. right into his way. I don't know how Araujo didn't score That's that one. That's what I was talking about. That's the one. He's got to score that. He's got to score that. It. He just misses. He, he just misses. Did he shoot that wide? Yeah. He's yeah. about six inches wide yeah. with his right foot. And that's the one I'm talking about. If yeah. he's getting chances all the time and is not pressing, when you yeah. only are getting one chance, you're like, oh, I got to score that. Yeah. But if you kind of know you're going to get chances, you relax a little bit and and then suddenly you start scoring those chances. Right. It's kind of counterintuitive, but it happens. Yeah, so you know, I, the game is just really opened up at this point, obviously. <laughs> the, the pressure's on. Um, George Yakimakis is getting called offsides left and right, but in a good way. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's there were a re- couple really close offside calls where he could have scored as well. Um, what else here? The other note I have in here, I don't know if you agree. It wasn't that he had a bad game, but Gutman was certainly off. Um, I well, get- I think you're going to see this a little bit from Gutman in that he's got a different role. He's yeah. asked to be back. Yeah, and right, and he was, and it was a little frustrating because he was actually really good a couple times in staying back, and it was almost like he didn't know what to do. He read the game really well couple times like a ball was trying to be played out to the wide player out there mm-hmm. and he was there to intercept it and he like bumbled his first touch mm-hmm. and it went back to the other team happened twice and you're like man had he gotten that and we recycled it fast it would have been another goal like something would have happened but he yeah. just like his touch was off like mm-hmm. and i i you know look he's so a, much he's a great of, player he just had an off game i think so much of this year is gonna depend on gutman making the right decision because it's clear that Pineda is not absolutely keeping him back and that, um, or at least he's giving him a green light and that's fine, you know, but with him having a green light, when he makes that decision wrong, we get right back to last year's two at the back because Lennon's going no matter what. And that's yeah. the, that's the thing that's so frustrating to me. Lennon is not, he's either not doing it himself or he's not being asked to do it. He has no, there's no decision-making in it. He just go yeah. every single time he goes. And there, right? there was a moment here in the in the uh, 37th minute, Araujo's on the right side and whips in the in-swinger and Gutman's up in the box and it kind of comes down on his feet, and he d- he could have done better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes you wonder, though, like, is he? Are we better off without him in that particular? He, to be honest, on that one, do you know I the one re- I'm talking yeah, about? I know yeah. the one you're talking about. And it was bouncing a little bit. Yeah. If I was as he was running up to it, I was like, just get over it, just get over it. And yeah. he did. He kept it down. He missed wide by a good 
five yards or something. But yeah. I, I give him credit to that. It's a bouncing ball, and you just got to get over it. Don't yeah. sky it. So uh, what else happened here? Uh, there was some break on Mata, slow layoff to Lennon. Yeah, I another breakaway, and there's another like Amada is so good at that little ball that he lays off to the person that's you think it's going to go to like Arugia up front, but it was actually Lennon who was behind bombing in. That Amada does just such a great job of again a weighted pass that makes the defender have to figure out like do I have to like step on this or not? And it was it was great. There was like two or three times Almada had a pass like that. But let's get to the big moment. Forty seventh oh. minute, <laughs> two minutes of extra. What are you time. talking about, my guy? What happened? I don't know. There wasn't any major. Oh right. my goodness! I mean, this goal. Uh, yeah, you may have to. I, do, I feel like we have to see it. Yeah, do, yeah. do, do the mute on this though. Um, because we'll get uh, banned from the YouTubery for the copyright. Oh my bad. We might. We might anyway. Um, <laughs> but I mean, this goal might be one of the best goals in football this year, not just in Major League Soccer. I mean, how far out is that? That's like a good thirty plus out, wouldn't you say? What's What's your calculation on that one? Here's no what, one thinks he's taking that shot. Here's what no. I said. I said, as he was stepping up to take it, it's too far. And it was not. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> I mean, was he not. hit it the only place you could hit it to score that goal. I mean, the keeper, who's clearly a tall guy, had that covered except for that one oh, mara, mara, mara. Really? I mean, seriously, he got the keeper leaning because he went back yeah. to the side that the keeper was on, right? He bent it a good five, ten yards in the air, yeah. right? And you're never, ever, ever going to see a better free kick than that, ever. Uh, I, I'm speechless. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, I is, that is as good as free uh, kicks get. I mean, it, it really does. The the bend on that ball oh, it's so and pretty. the way that it just goes off the Inside of the the far post, right right below the crossbar is just something. If I else. never oh. see anything Atlanta United ever again, it will have all <laughs> yeah. been worth it. I I'm mean, so, that was just mad. I'm dude. so upset that I wasn't there. So oh. I, I asked somebody else who was oh. at the game. I asked, asked uh, my boss at work today when I talked to him. He's got he goes to the games and. He said that actually that may have been the quietest goal yeah. because everybody's jaw was on yes, the ground. I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say people were so stunned. It took a minute for yeah. people to go nuts. They were like, "Did that really just go in?" Right, right. Uh, I agree with him completely. Yeah, I felt that awesome. way hundred percent. Mm-hmm. So feeling pretty good. Was it two nothing going in at halftime? Yeah. Um, you know, I got a couple more things for the first half. I would say. Um, so first of all, um, you know, the chances that we're creating is a really, really good sign. And we'll get to that because you're going to ask me why. Um, we had 54% possession, you know, which is, I think, good, right? Because, you know, if you are getting, you know, so much, so much possession for this team, I feel like it means you're not on the front foot a little bit. Yeah. You kind of want to have a little over half this team. I think that's about right. Um, and the last thing I'll say is a couple of times in that half, Araujo on his right foot on the left side, he just doesn't want to do stuff. Yeah. Please free Araujo, put him on <laughs> not an inverted side, free yeah. him, free him. And then who are we putting over there on the other side? Wiley? Who I'm okay the- with Wiley being over there. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. To be honest with you. Because you're either going to have to bench then Wiley or Lennon, right? And I agree. It's got to be Lennon in that case. Wiley's hot. He's the hot hand right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's... Super. And it's great that Etienne's coming in. Etienne actually looks sharp um, from what I've seen. Yeah. Uh, but you got to say, you got to keep playing the hot hand of Wiley, right? And so I think that's got to be good in terms of the competition of practice and what Etienne has to be feeling as a, another strong player, an option for rotations, for, you know, Lennon gets bumped or whatever. There's a lot, lot of depth when it comes to uh, that, that kind of forward position. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 there is a question, and, and Wiley right now is making it difficult. Um, but I, I still, I would at least try and see. You know, I don't know. It's possible that switching Wiley over to the right yeah. side means that he suddenly looks, you know, really weak and terrible. But I would try it and see, yeah. like a full we're, game, not like five minutes. We're loaded with left footer forwards. Yeah, though, right? it's a really weird thing that we have, we talked about a little bit. Yeah. Why did we buy three left footed wingers? Was it Chol <laughs> Etienne? No, it's it's Etienne, it's Araujo, and it's Wiley. Chol, I think is I think right. He's left footed. Left footed too. I think I just read he was right. Oh, okay, he's so right footed. Right. Oh, you're right. So it says three. But anyway, three. Okay. But they, but Chol, yeah, yeah. Okay. Chol now forward. Because we don't have any other forwards. <laughs> Barry is not our backup forward. So I, I mean, he is, but he shouldn't be. So, Dave, I tried to pay attention. I did Uh-oh. I did feel, and you have a better eye for this, but I did feel like there was a little bit more of a holdback on Lennon and Gutman from not bombing up completely in that game. I mean, certainly Gutman for sure. Um, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see. I didn't see. <laughs> bless you. I didn't, I didn't see it quite as much from Lennon as, as aggressive. You know, it's interesting. There were a few times that Lennon um, was not so forward. And when that happened, we were better. I feel like what, what the, the moments that happens, it's because... So Lennon is expected to get back eventually in a four. So if we're on defense for more than you yeah. know a few seconds, he does get back. He's got a great motor, and he does get back. And when he does that, he's back in the four. And what's happening, which wasn't happening before, is there's a lot of times where we're turning the ball over in the middle. And if we turn the ball over in the middle and Lennon's gotten all the way back, he's now not forward because he can't get there that fast. So it's working to our advantage because we're turning the ball over a little further up the field and he's gotten back. And so he's now not crowding the space because he's not yet. He's getting there, but he can't get there (laughs) yet. So if we counterattack really quick... And, and that should only reinforce what we're talking about. That's when we re- look really, really good. And it's not because Lennon, if he were doing it on purpose, there are times when he doesn't need that. Yeah. He could just stay, right? There's, there, there are times. Now, he doesn't do that. I mean, I think there, I saw him do it once, and I felt like he was just gassed. He had been going up and down. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay. There was a couple other moments where he was in a better defense. The reason I say this was, at least there was moments defensively where he was facing the opposition, and that's rarely the case with Lennon. And and I did make a mental note of that at one one point. Maybe it was one circumstance that I'm overhyping, but he actually made a defensive play where he was like facing a defender and actually stepped up and blocked blocked it and, and took it away from him, which you don't see a lot from Lennon. You see him you see him hustling back and making a slide tackle or things like that, but not necessarily you know facing the opposition. Well, Lennon's going to be a much better defender if he's not trying to screw
scramble back into the play. And while he's scrambling back into the play, Abara, who was covering from him, is yeah. supposed to be getting into the middle. And because Abara's not in the middle, there's nobody protecting the center to, right? That was happening all year. That's what I was talking about, mm-hmm. right? As soon as that doesn't happen, you'll realize, as what I've said all last year, that, oh, by the way, Parata, and last year was Franco, now it's Miles Robinson. Uh, Gutman, they can really defend. Yeah. Like, there's not a problem with those defenders. It was just the tactics. What was the 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 thing you didn't like about the first half? Anything? No, I mean... I mean, really, the only negative thing we had to say was, like, yeah, Barra kind of bit into a, a fake, and the guy had a goal that got called back. I mean, to me, that was the only... And, and there was something else that happened in the 18th minute. I thought pretty minute. much the whole game we were terrific. Um, you know, do I think that we've 100% solved it? You know, for example, I, I noted that in the 46th minute, right, uh, Gutman finally went forward once. Lennon, of course, was already forward. And we left two in the back, right? This is yeah. right before Almada scores, right? We're up one nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So... Again, in that moment, because we were being idiotic again, it was a one. It was very rare. We mostly had three back the whole time, and right. it didn't cost us at all. We didn't give up the ball. Yeah. We had the ball, right? But if we turn over the ball there, we give up a counter, oh. and suddenly it's one-one going into half. We've lost all the momentum. It's just stupid. That was what happened in the uh, 18th minute. It was the classic. Uh, I mean, I have. I took a photo on the. I'll show it to you after, Dave, because you'll appreciate it. The, the, yeah. We don't need to flash it up, but it was one of those situations where, out of the back, like, we were so exposed with, you know, them, them being able to pick a ball off from us playing out of. We were high up towards the, our half of the field, and boy, I mean, it was like one little bump away from being intercepted, and it would have been. 5v2 like i mean their team was crashing and it just was so close uh to a, a complete first goal by them and again it just shows there was mom- there were moments early on in that game where you know that goal hadn't been taken back and they had a, had a had seized the moment on some boneheaded play out of the back like there w- there were opportunities but I don't that know. was that, that's me being super critical but I don't know if you watched Fulham and you in the FA Cup or what, saw any of the highlights, but yeah. you know, so Fulham got up on Man United one nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And it was pretty late, like sixty fifth, seventieth minute, or whatever. And then it, it was this epic meltdown. Yeah, that happened. Uh, you know, everybody's going to point to that and say, "Look what happened in the box." And no, again, this is where your average just watching Joe or maybe the coaches who are not good—that's what they all they see. They focus on that. What I was focused on that play is they're up one nothing at Man United in the FA Cup in a single elimination game, and they only had two in the back. Both Jedi Robinson and their right back—I forget his name—were yeah. both forward. They got caught on the counter, right? And that's what led to Jaden Sancho being one-on-one in the box because everybody was scrambling around everywhere. And I'm saying, in in my opinion, right, what are you doing, Fulham? Even if you think that that's the right move that you need to do that to beat Man United, once you get a one-goal lead... You know, I'm not saying that you should park the bus, but I'm also not saying you should leave just two in the back and let Man United counter you because they have a terrific counterattack, right? You know, Rashford, Sancho, they can all run. And on that play, 
It was chaos. And yeah. that's what led to the stupid yeah. William Cunningham yeah, you had, red card. You had Anthony bombing down. I think he crossed it over He Sancho. was wide open, And Anthony. then it was, uh, who's the Brazilian who came back, and he clearly threw his yeah, arm. Yeah, William. William threw his arm a little forward. He gets a red card, and he knew it, too. You yeah, he see, knew it the whole time. Yeah, he knew it. He immediately pointed it. Yeah, he immediately pointed it. No, I, it hit my hand, but I didn't mean to throw my hand. Uh -huh. Yeah, if he hadn't have done that, actually, I think it would have been better off for yeah, him. Yeah, he could have just um, played it like, And oh, then the, the meltdown that proceeded was awesome. Like, one of the coaches comes off the bench and, like, charges the VAR. Tries to prevent him from looking at the VAR. I had never seen that. That was awesome. Look, I mean, that is just completely. So you got, boom, red card. Coming for the coach, and then yeah, the red card for stopping a, a ball intentionally with the red hand, and then whoever the striker was that lost his head. So it was a it was a fun meltdown to watch. On us, on it was. But again, the thing that all started that Fulham was on the ball, and they had both of their outside backs pushed so forward with a one goal lead in the sixty late sixtieth yeah. or seventieth minute. It was right about that time, mm -hmm. right? I, again, I really don't think you should park the bus. But you got a one-goal lead, you need to be smart. And this is what I'm a little bit concerned about, the Atlanta United. You know, it's time and moments, right? So I'm okay if Gutman goes forward occasionally. You know, of course he should be. I think that Lennon should be back in those cases. But even if that's not the case, right, he's got to pick and choose his moment. But in the moments, if we're up one nothing in a late game, and I see Lennon forward and Gutman goes forward. I'm going to be going freaking nuts. Because yeah. then the coach is like, you're like, dude, again, don't stop playing. Yeah. But don't be stupid either. Right. All right. Let that be a lesson for our future podcast. Don't be Fulham. Don't be Fulham. <laughs> so we start the second half, right? Um, what what and happens thank you, here? Thank you, Fulham, because I'm a United fan. Yeah. That was the, the, oh, the yeah. coach is responsible for that epic meltdown because he allowed the outside backs to both be forward in that moment and gave Man United a lifeline by giving them a super easy counter. Yep. So my first significant note in the second half was Araujo. Can we talk about Amada's goal again? No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, let's watch it again. Watch over it again. And over. <laughs> in my dreams, I watch uh, it all the time. Yeah, I feel like Araujo did a, a great thing to put himself in position he, he goes to the top of the 18, and Almada, who's our best player, goes out to the right and drags attention. There are, like, two players out wide on the left, and he doesn't pass it to either one of them. It yep. would have been a simple goal. Yep. And it's, like, just bad decision-making. Like, how do you not just lay it out there? And that's the difference between Almada having the ball there and Araujo not having the vision it's just, it was like, come on, man. Like, those two players had to have been really pissed you didn't give them a goal because they were wide open. But And and I would argue that that Araujo is never going to be Almada. But here's the thing, and this is the thing that, you know, again, people don't talk about. They see that moment and they say that, right? But you got to get in Araujo's head, right? Araujo is supposed to be a star on this team, right? And he's pushing a little bit because he's mm -hmm. not getting chances. So that contributes to him not making that pass. He thinks he has to go make a play. If you and if you watch Atlanta United last year, right, you would say yeah. he's but got to go make that no, play. But he played it to Almada, which 
to some degree is the right play because you play it to the star. Yeah. But it was just him missing the fact that yeah. to his left, oh, I say, yeah. to his left were, yeah. was a better pass. But I think that if they are routinely in the flow or whatever, he's going to make better decisions yeah, is what I think. I'm saying. It, it, it should, you play a little bit more loose. Yeah. Yeah. This you is maybe being a little harsh on him. No, I, you know, I think you're absolutely right. But I think this comes success breeds success when yeah. players start to relax a little bit right. and they're not worried about the making mistake and they're just going and playing a little bit. And you saw it from Almada yeah. in this game. Last season at the end of the year, he was pressing, right? And he's still amazing even when he's pressing, God yeah. bless. But um, this game looked to me the first time where he was just having yeah. fun. And yeah. once he it relaxes so and nice. having fun, I mean, he's yeah. really good. And so, yeah, we're on the we're 53rd minute now. We're on the front foot. Somebody slots a ball up to the top of the box to, or in the midfield to uh, Yakimakis, and he does like a nice little body block and uh, takes a shot and misses, I think. I can't remember where it went. Do you recall that one? He, he does a nice job, job of using his body, but misses a definite opportunity. Should have been, a, should have been his first goal at that point. Um, he wasn't offside. Yeah, the 49th minute, the goal... I mean, with from the Almada cutback. Uh, I mean, what a what a ball! And it looked to me, I, I I made a note that you know when he's not depressed and he's really having fun, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what it looked like. He looked like yeah. he was just and 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 a guy like Almada when he's in confidence and he's playing or whatever, he's gonna try that extra thing and oh look out! Yeah. You know, that's yeah. where he does the little step over that he did last game to give us the goal to Wiley, yeah. or he does that cutback pass that he did to you know in this game for the goal. Like, it, look out! Yeah. But he has to be in confidence because last year he didn't want to make that pass because he's like, we're not scoring. And he wanted to do the extra thing and score the goal for himself, which he occasionally did. He scored some absolutely brilliant goals mm -hmm. late in the season. Yeah. But he also, we didn't as a team score goals because he wasn't looking for it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, 53rd minute, that, that could have been a goal. 57th, this is when Gutman stepped up, should have recycled it back, but had a bad touch, acceptable, uh, just a mistake. 58th minute, just one minute later, um, this is when Miles, uh, not not Miles, I mean Caleb Wiley somehow is off to the left side, has space dribbling down, and just serves a beautiful ball. There's two defenders back. Uh, George Yakamakis floats off towards the back post, like even with the back post, and just nods it with firmness right to the near post. Great composure exactly what he meant to do beautiful cross beautiful finish it's you know classic what, was it awesome it was awesome no no it was jorgas <laughs> <Come on! laughs> that's what he wants that's what he wants it's jorgas people yeah. it's yeah. such a jorgas yeah. goal <laughs> and and Georges, uh, he's he's a little he's a little dramatic, which but at the same time he's a, he seems like a big tough guy, but he he definitely was a little bit of a drama on the field throughout the game. But I like it because he's on my team. But boy, you can see how that would irritate other teams. One thing that but, you probably couldn't see on the on the TV. So when we gave up the goal in the second minute, right? I mean, obviously the stadium went really really quiet, right? And obviously okay. it was ultimately uh, overturned, right? So they put the ball back at midfield. It all it went all the way back to midfield while they were reviewing it, right? And Papa Giorgio was standing there at midfield on the ball. He was the kickoff guy. And he turns to the whole stadium, and he goes, 
Yeah. Wow. Let's go. Like, yeah. come on. It's not a second minute. Come on. Yeah. Give it to him. And yeah. he is really. Uh, yeah, he's got some moxie. Uh, he's got some moxie. That's yeah. the term. Right? Yeah, he's but, a little bit, a little yeah. drama sometimes on, on like, you yeah. know, the, the pouting. But it, so did Joseph. So did Joseph. Yeah. yeah. So I'm warming yeah. up. To, I'm warming up to whatever he's got for us on that front. Do you remember in the second season when we won the title, there was a. Uh, late injury and the other team we were down a goal I think they were just milking the clock or whatever yeah. and the guy was down and you know Joseph finds himself on the ball and he's you know screwing around with the ball and that. he dribbles up the field and he <laughs> kicks it in the goal and he does a little dance or whatever and then he goes and gets the ball out to bring it back to the thing. he turns around and, and kicks it back, back in yeah. he's like oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying yeah. uh, George, uh, Papa Giorgio has got a little bit of that in him, which is awesome. Like, yeah. you got to have it as a striker. Like, these guys are, you know, they're I, the guys, right? I Go ahead, love Cara. him. I mean, just even, like, the little things. We've talked about him being, like, right on that offside line. Have yeah. you all seen him on some of our free kicks where we know we're not shooting, where he will say, I'm going to stand offside. Yep. Yeah. Just, gonna, like yeah, just Joseph. Yes, yep. exactly. I'm going to stand offside. Y'all going to have to worry about me. Right. But somebody might head this back, but y'all are going to have to worry about That's me. That's right. And I yeah. love that yeah. about a striker. Yeah, and, you, you and, got, and on the goal that he got from Wiley, I mean, he was screaming for it. Oh, he had yeah. his hand out. He's <laughs> yeah. like, put it here. Put it here. Put it here. And he did it, put it there, and he went and scored it. So he's going to put it there next time, yeah. too, right? That's right. Like, come on. I love it. it. Absolutely love so, it. So, and then the 60th minute, not two minutes after, I don't know if you remember it on the field, but, again, Aruja does this crazy spin move on someone right on the line and then just blazes down the right side again. Mm -hmm. um, Araujo in mean, space was, is a dominant player. I mean, and then they had to foul him, so we get a free kick. Yep. Uh, and this was the moment where we put Miles, Parata, and Gigi up front, and I was curious why Wiley was our only person back. But whatever. At that point, we're, we're dancing. It's 3 nothing. Um, what else is happening? Uh, anything else you, you want to call out in the second half here, Dave? I have a, a a theme that I want to talk about, and it might interrupt us going through the rest of the play, so we can do that first, or we can talk about it and finish the game afterwards. What do you want to do? Uh, I've got a couple other notes I can go go through on the second half. All uh, right, and then uh, we'll come back to it? Yeah. All we'll right, come back. Going. So, so I would say one of the most dangerous opportunities we let up was in the 64th. Gutman gets beat and basically lets them get a cross for the best chance for Portland. Um it wasn't that he wasn't on him, but he let the ball get crossed, and it was a good one. So again, these are where my notes were. I'm, you know, you got to you got to put a foot on. It. You got to do something. To I want to say in the 64th minute, we were playing out of the back. We were playing from right to left. We played back to Brad Guzan, and he played or whatever. He literally almost tripped over his feet again, yeah. and he almost fell and dropped the ball right in the middle of the goal. Right, he was at the ball at his feet. Who was yeah. this? Brad Guzan. Brad Guzan. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. I missed he that. looked like. Yeah. It, yeah, you could see it, it live. Yeah. He kind of stumbled a little bit. He got the pass off. Yeah. There was no problem. Yeah. He got it, whatever. But he still does not look 100% at all. But that's okay. If, especially, I think, you know. Especially if he's going to work his way back while we're winning. This is a good This is <laughs> a good that. position to be in. I'll take it. One thing I will say, like, in his, like, he's not totally 100% there either going out off his line and winning the balls. But he was a little stronger on the balls where he needed to jump up and catch it. Uh, I made a note of that. Like, he was, he's the brag Guzan you want when the ball is, like, up in the air. He went up, captured it like an EPL-style keeper, brought it down. I think a 26-year-old Miles Robinson or whatever he is 
recovers better from an Achilles yeah, than a 38-year-old. Yeah. Safe bet. I think on that, that that's what we're saying, really. Because Guzan was a ter- terrific athlete, too. So yeah. every bit as good an athlete as Miles Robinson was, right? Or is. But, yeah. um, you know, that's the difference. 10 years or 12 years. Uh, yeah. Age. Carmen, you want to tell us about that? <laughs> I was say age will do it to you. Age will do it to you. Uh, so, When's your surgery again? Oh, <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, we, we got our foot on the gas. So it's the 65th minute. I think Almada is able to trans- transition the ball up fast and plays it out to Araujo, plays it in to either back to Almada, goes out to Lennon on the right side, and then Lennon tries to play it really nice little oh. crossover to, to Wiley. I mean, it was nice ticky-tack soccer, like yep. just nice passing. I, I even say Lennon, it wasn't – wasn't the worst idea to play it back across. Oh, it was a great idea. He a, didn't yeah. quite execute didn't it, but quite, didn't quite it was have the, the right idea. It's a tap-in if he makes that ball. Yeah, if, right. he, if he had hit a little softer, a little further yeah. back, oh, would have been a goal. But I liked it. I, I was like, all right. Well, oh, that's, yeah. I think to me it's genius. Yeah. It's, a, it's an example of really good Lennon decision-making. Yeah. 67th minute, Araujo with space, bombing again, gets fouled. Okay. Great cross from Amada. Um, so good things are happening. 70th minute. Um, Amada, perfect to Lennon. Um, and then we saw some subs, Etienne and Sosa come in for Wiley and Ibarra who came out. Um, so we get a little bit of Sosa the last uh, 27 minutes of the remaining play. So have you passed the goal yet? No. Okay. We only have you third. Have a lot of notes. Thir- third goal <laughs> was. On it. Yeah, the third goal was in the 58th minute. So now we got that one already. Now we are right up on goal. the 74th minute. Yeah. There is. A Araujo goal. Yep. And somebody plays it um, up directly to him. Comes down. He plays it with his left foot, perfectly shielding the defender, the center back that's on him, and does a great job of just knowing where the far post in, and boom, hits it in. Great composure. Uh, nice to see him up the field in that position. Again, we're, we, there's lots of people that are getting up in the box, and I think this is – a little bit of a different look. You know where he was, Mikey Dobbs? Yeah. Armin? You know where he was on that play? No. He was in the position he would be in all the time if, if he, he was, wasn't inverted. Yeah. And when we were talking about the tactical board on the last podcast, you can go back and look at it. I said that if he was on that other side, he'd get that guy on his hip, he'd be uh, isolated, yeah. he and he can beat that guy and put it back in the far post every time. Yeah, he did. That right. was it. Because especially if he cuts in, takes that inside route, and you leave the outside to Gutman, who might yeah. be pushing up. Because he was like middle of the yeah. goal or maybe even slightly to the left of yeah. the goal goal right he wasn't outright at all no no he, he was like uh at the top of the 18 yeah kind of across, going across towards the penalty spot yeah, somewhere towards in the there yep yep exactly mm-hmm. and we got some subs and i would that. say that assisted by almada again right um and and my point was here's my point do you recall last year when we had gutman and lennon up all the time just just bombing up the time. Yeah. And we played all the time through them because everybody left them open. And, and then, you know, uh, you know, Pineda was like, look, they're open all the time. We should get in the ball or whatever. And I kept saying, it's a trap, right? Because we want the ball at Almada's feet. If we yeah. would not play through Lennon and Gutman, we could play through Almada. Yeah. That is a perfect example. We played through Almada. He plays the Araujo and we score through the middle. Yep. 
right? That's what I was talking about all last year, right? Because it was a trap and we fell into it. Pineda fell into that trap. Oh yeah, they're open. It's awesome. They're in all kinds of space. Yeah, except for it's not with Almada. And if you saw this year so far, if we get to Almada in a recycled position and he's one-on-one, is that better than Gutman or Lennon out wide? And was it Almada that played the ball to Araujo? I can't remember. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Because I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm liking my own head here. He had but. two goals and two assists oh. in this game. When we play through Almada, we yeah. win. But he can't pass. <laughs> no, no, he cannot. Was it one? He yeah. said he can't pass. Awesome two goals and two pass. assists in one game. Two yeah. goals and two and assists in one game. And even the assists he didn't have. That get the what the yeah. nice uh, Gigi goal was yeah. like Almada, Tarujo, yeah. Wiley. Yeah, to, oh, so he still pretty. was involved. So yeah. pretty. So uh-huh. we got some subs coming in in the 76th minute with Fortune. Who is that, by the way? Yeah. He's the 18 year old kid from the academy. Oh. We saw, the only reason why I know that is because I went to the AmFam Cup. Ah, the biggest <laughs> trophy in the world. And, and in the second half, we played, memory of everybody said, oh, you played your, your the twos. And right. I said, I don't know anything we played the twos. I think we played the academy team, right? Yeah. And they played this other kid, well, I'm forgetting his name now, who's now signed a contract. Yeah. Oh. Remember I said it was so the, crazy, the right? Brennan or something like yeah, that? Oh, Brennan. Yeah, Brennan. Like, why did he sign a contract? Because well, he scored a goal, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> that's not really a good reason yeah. to give him a contract. Yeah. Anyway, um, the guy in that game in the second half, when we actually held up to Mexico, mm-hmm. uh, was it Tijuana? Who did we play again? Which Mexican uh, side? I was there. I should know. But it was one yeah. of the Mexican good sides. Um, we held up in the second half with all these young kids. And, yeah. the, and to me, the best player in that second half was Fortune, okay. who is from the academy, and yeah. he's only 17 or 18. Okay. He's I'm like, so he's a midfielder because he came yeah. in for Sadik? He seems to me, yeah, he came in for Sadik. I almost feel like he looked like in that other game, like he was a little bit maybe more defensive or box-to-box. Yeah. He's not really necessarily an attacking midfielder. I mean, I've seen him. For, right, you know, which would make sense two minutes if, since he came in for a Marcetic, who's not necessarily our attacking guy. I like leaving that all up to Almada at this point and playing a little more reserved with whoever your Sosa, Barra, um, Sadik, and Fortune combination is here. Huzetu, and we came in with where's Huzetu, by the way? He's got the hamstring. I told you, oh, about. okay, he did his hamstring. Oh, uh, yeah, out. Miguel Berry came in for George Yakamakis. He looks no. faster. He did. He, did he not look yeah. faster? Well, <laughs> fast. No. I, he didn't look fast. <laughs> like Hold fast. on. He I didn't look as slow I, as he did last time. He did not. I think you guys were just, ju- he's got an awkward running gait. Because I know we, the one you're talking about, he went down the right side and actually put in a good, yes. good cross. But in that yes. one, he looked like he was moving fast, and he kind of wasn't. He was moving <laughs> decent, like medium speed, yeah. but it wasn't really fast. It yeah. was it was misleading fast because I went back and watched it on the replay and uh-huh. I was like because I thought real life I was like oh maybe he's faster than yes, he thought, that's what I thought maybe whatever and I went back and looked at him like eh, he's not really going fast he's going medium space well comparatively he, to the last time yeah, he was he was at least beating the defense or keeping speed with the defenders tracking him back he wasn't making progress on them but he was and that's harder when you're dribbling the ball too but i didn't think he was as bad as uh as you guys made it out to be that's all <laughs> well when you come into a game and you're already leading what four to one you know it's easy to look good at that point right <laughs> i mean i could look good at that point yeah. now i mean be yeah. pulling the strings yeah. and right? just because i'm a sos fan i have a note that he 
got a yellow card, which is BS for a foul. That wasn't even a foul. Uh, you know, he's coming out and he plays it with the outside of his, his right foot. A beautiful play on the ball. And he got all ball. All on ball. That challenge. All ball. Like long before. And it wasn't even like he. Come really, on, MLS referee. I mean, come on, MLS referee. That is just a bad call any day. <laughs> and it was one of the decent refs. It was. Uh, what's yeah, name? he wasn't bad. He's yeah. like 11 year vet of the yeah, MLS. He's okay. How do you and like I, these I, notes? 11 years back. Have, uh, well done. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say that, so, on that first one, not the one where he got the yellow card, but he he got, uh, uh, Sosa made two plays right away after walking in the game, right? Two plays where he broke up counterattacks that was amazing, right? And then the first one, Almada came in and he made the wrong decision. He was in the box and he chose to shoot it. He had all kinds of options yeah. and he got the shot blocked and we were suddenly like, we're running on the back thing. They played out to the midfield and Sosa went hunting and he won the ball in a way that Ibarra and Sadich never do. Yeah. If we can get him in the game with what we are doing in the back, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There is a chance that we could get better and better than we are now because we are missing one of the pieces. Could you imagine if Manchester United was doing what they're doing now, and then you added Casemiro on top of it? Oh. I know <laughs> some people don't like Sosa. Those people are idiots. Okay. Right, there's there's say, somebody who's probably not listening to podcasts in the neighborhood that I love that you just said that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, okay, right. so there is somebody in particular. I was like, you mean besides uh, Pineda that doesn't like Sosa? Yeah. Okay. Um, now, I get, love the way Sosa reads the game, God, hawks yeah. the ball, tackles the ball. And to be honest, Sosa can do everything with the ball that Sadich can. Sadich is. You know, decent on the ball, right? I've never said that he wasn't. Well, right? he's decent he, going backwards. He gives, he gives the plays. He's the, decent going backwards. Can't go forward at all, well, ever. And Sosa can. So he can, Sadik cannot lose the ball and go backwards wow. all day, every day. So if that's what you want to play, super conservative, Sadik is your boy. He'll he, pass completions good, low risk, zero reward going forward. So if you take Sosa and Watch put him tape. in the game, look. If you take Sosa and put him in the game and play him with Ibarra in front of him and you say, Sosa, you're the true defensive midfielder. Ibarra's playing the defensive midfielder, but Ibarra's a little bit more risky. You know, he doesn't read it quite as well, but he's aggressive. If you now have him playing in front of Sosa and they have the guy marked up, Ibarra going to go second hunting and we are going to dominate in the yeah. midfield. That's the midfield. Pineda, please listen. Sosa, Ibarra, Amada. Yes. I love it. Now, we get scored on in the 82nd minute. Yep. It's 4-1. to one. Again, yep. Gutman, not bad defense, but ends up letting a cross come over. It's one of those awkward slow headers that just drifts into the, the far uh, netting. Yeah, uh, I have to say, and this is hard for me uh -oh. because I don't usually say It wasn't Braguzan's fault, though. I don't think it was anybody's fault. I think, to be honest, everybody was had it all. Yeah. Usually, huh. when I look at this, I, I'm like, somebody did something idiotic. Nobody, right? uh, no, no I, everybody I, was pretty well I, marked up. It's just a good goal. Sometimes I, it happens. I, I agree, and and that's why I'm saying again, I'm kind of being harsh on Gutman. He'd never lost his feet. He didn't do anything stupid. 
He was on his guy. Other people were in their position. We didn't have too many players forward. We didn't you can't have any blame players ever. The guy somehow gets the ball across. It floats up into yeah. one of those positions right on the guy's head. Guzan is caught flat-footed for good reason because it was a good cross, and it goes awkwardly into the I back I got corner. three words. Just sometimes happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, I expect more from Gutman. He's got to put his foot on. And it. to be honest, the way you avoid—that's just the, me being a jerk. The only way you avoid those goals is to be on the front foot, right? Yeah. You don't yeah. let people in your box. Yeah. If you let people in your box, you know sometimes, you know, last year is a perfect example. People yeah. would be like, "Oh, we did this, we did that, or whatever," yeah. and you're like, "Once you're defending that much of it, kind of, and especially on the counter, and everybody's scrambling." You know, people going to make mistakes. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. The, the idea that you're going to play perfect defending, which is what I think Pineda yeah. thought with our two backs, is just madness. Yeah, never, never. Somebody going to yeah. make a mistake. Yeah. Somebody going to get beat. That's what I like about this game. In my notes, I really only have, outside of the goal, two other opportunities from Portland that were anything. So they had, like in my mind, three chances on goal, and they had one, one goal. Now... This 84th minute, this is when Barry, the new substitute for uh, Yakimai. Chugging. Chugging down the right side. <laughs> he plays a, plays a nice ball over to Almada, though. He, who has did, a he did. Almada had a sitter and missed it. Yep. All right. So that's my note there. But then Almada makes up for it in the 85th minute. One minute later, somebody plays it into him in the top of the box with his back to goal. little spin move. He's like, I know where the far post's in. Let's close this game oh. out. Five to one. Oh, I slightly disagree with you. Ah. Because he didn't know where the far post was, or maybe he didn't know where the far post was. But one of the things that I caught in the live, he, as he was turning the guy, I mean, to show you what kind of talent this guy has, as he was turning the guy and making a fool out of him with the little shimmy, yeah. right? He put his head up and took a peek. I think about not where the goal was, but where the goalkeeper was. Yeah. And he was going to smash it. And at the last second, he decided to just pass it in because he knew yeah. that the goalkeeper could be beat. That is... All right, I'm going to have to go... So nice. All right, podcast back. listeners. He took a peek. Go back on the replay because oh. I haven't... I've, I watched this thing close. I may have missed oh. that. All right. I don't know whether you get off the right yeah. angle on the TV, but I could see it live. I'm like, he peeked <laughs> as he was turning the guy. Who has the wherewithal oh. turning the guy in the box yeah. to take a peek up and be like, oh, the goalkeeper's in the middle. And he was about... He took a super windup and then just side footed so it. I'm so like, good. oh, the composure. So people. good. The composure. So, Dave, what is is Pineda doing anything differently? Are there tweaks that he's made that you've seen that we've talked about that maybe are helping open? Or is it just some of the innate things with having a striker that's pushing the line that's now opening it up for Almada? Is it another thing that guys in the neighborhood want me to ask is, is this because Moreno's gone and Almada all of a sudden has the freedom in the midfield? I don't think so. I think you, he could have had that freedom last year if you had the right tactics in place. But what has changed this year about Almada having that openness, Araujo in this game having a little more freedom to run? Like what, what changed in your mind? The thing that has changed, and you probably, if we had it, uh, access to Atlanta United Advanced Analytics, we could see it. It's probably coming soon to a theater near you on the on the uh you know the um the local Southern Fried Soccer or whatever. Yeah. Um so the difference and we could talk about what the reason for that. The difference is we are turning them over up the field. And this is what I said all the last year. 
if we could only turn people over up the field and get the ball in transition to where Araujo, Almada, or whatever are not playing against a static defense that's all settled, then lights out. Yeah. No, but nobody can beat uh, two banks of four when they're settled. I mean, occasionally, but it's it's you're never going to do that. You're never going to win that way consistently, right? So the question then becomes, why are we turning the ball up, over up the field? Well, I I think certainly we're seeing one of the fullbacks stay more at home at all times, for sure. That is probably the biggest reason I have in my mind. Um, and there is some... What's st- the corollary to that, though? Well, the the corollary to that is now exactly, which is where I'm going next, is Abara, in this case, and Sedek can stay home and 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 seal <laughs> up the midfield. To both seal up the midfield, but also step on it and be there as an outlet when they need to transition it, Dave. Am I learning something here? Carmen, can we get uh, Danny Rojas football Danny, 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 Danny Rojas. Just like back in Guadalajara. Just like back in Guadalajara. I do it, coach. <laughs> Give me the other one. The other one too. Yeah. Danny Rojas. 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 So, I'm dancing because that's exactly it. So, so, so does this mean that Pineda is turning the corner that we wanted him to turn with, with doing the tactics that we have been talking about? I would say, and I'm going to say this out loud, um, and that is, do you think entire, it's accidental or this the is- entire change is the tactics that Pineda has changed? So, at some level, he gets a hundred percent credit for that. Okay. Now, I do not understand, as I went off on the last podcast, why he couldn't do that last year. There was no right. reason why he couldn't. And the second thing that worries me about it is it's still a little overthought, right? He's still the unbalanced. With with Lennon all the way up, there are moments when Goose, when Goodman goes, and we're still in the two in the back. I mean, the craziness was exactly that you talked about that we were always up. That one of the center midfielders was covering it outside, which is absolutely nuts. Yeah. How do you have a, a a center midfielder covering for your right or left back? They cannot possibly get back in the middle to be defensive or offensive. Yeah. Right. So that's the whole change, yeah. in my opinion. That's why yeah. we're turning the ball and your, over. And your point there is not doing that in other circumstances. In, in this game, it was okay to you because we were up 3 nothing. keep the gas on. But we saw some of that craziness in the last year and a half overall. Right? It's absolutely nuts. I mean, and, and what I would say is the moment you don't do that, the moment you don't have a center midfielder covering and you have three in the back, right, most of the time, yeah. then you have it covered in the midfield – you have it covered out of the back. Now you can press the ball and you can turn it over. And everything he's probably been working on tactically, press, press, you know, he'd been working on it the whole time. He's like, we got to press, we got to press. And it wasn't working. Why yeah. wasn't it working? Because he's an idiot, right? Like, what's going on in the back? You cannot press yeah. from the front. So my concern, though, the to be honest, you know, still is that, you're like, you'd love to think that it was such a conscious decision that we would be like, okay. So is, you know, do you think he's listening to the show and he's Ted Lasso and you're Nate? I don't know. <laughs> I, said, What's I going hope on? I'm not Nate. He called you Nate. And <laughs> <laughs> Pineda uh, Lasso. I'm teasing. Oh, I'm teasing. Oh. Um, Did you watch the last episode of Ted Lasso, by the way? 
The new season? Yeah, the I haven't watched it yet. It's great. No. So, yeah. yeah, Nate's like this jerk now that oh. said West Ham United is great. So, that, that's kind of my yeah. joke there. Carmen, were you following that or not I, yet? I, I haven't. I've caught up that he went to West Ham, but yeah, I have not okay. watched the. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. so, here's the thing. So, you would love to think that if it was, you know, so he clearly has made an adjustment that instead of the two guys bombing all it forward, it is mostly Lennon bombing forward and Gutman staying back. Yeah. That to me is not, is, it, it cannot be just a coincidence. That has to have been something that's tactical, right? That being said, if he was really thinking that that was the solution, you would be like, okay. And then the moments, the few moments that Gutman goes forward, Lennon should stay back. That is not happening. Uh. So that makes me believe that he's not really committed to it. And on the, and the other thing that I feel like is in, you know, again, you know, uh, in football, it's down and distance here. It's, you know, time, you know, in the game, situational football, right? That I don't get the feeling that he realizes it's that important where, for example, if we are at one nothing in a road game in, you know, Nashville next month or whatever, that he would be screaming out, absolutely no two in the back. We have to have three. Right. And that's my throw in those slight concern is yeah. that he's still playing, you know, naive tactical football. Now he's fixed it. And that, I think that is the whole solution. So he should get credit for that. Yeah. But I'm not, I feel like it's slightly a nice bandaid, a really good bandaid. And if it holds yeah. over the skin, <laughs> you know, it and, might work. and even a bandaid with this team with Almada, that's all and a healthy, yeah. that's I, all it that's needed. All we need. And I think the other point that you, you've pointed out, right? So obviously having Yakomakis is a, is a dynamic that we didn't have also up front, and yeah. that's creating things or whatever. It is, but yeah. I think the biggest thing is that we are turning the ball over in the middle. Yeah. So Elliot has a question. Do you think Sedic, I can never say yeah. his name, uh, is making the midfield better than Rosetta? Well, Do we think he's helping here? I, if I'm being objective about it, uh, <sighs> No, I no because of what I we clearly need a Barra and Sosa in. So there you go. So that, that's not what he asked. Is he is he making it better than Rosetta? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question right now because I'm not. I have an answer to that. I, I'm going to say well, my answer is no um, because Amar Sedek can <laughs> only go backward. Um, my I, answer is yes. I actually yeah. think that Josetu has had was had a weak start, yeah. and Josetu is a guy who has lost his way. Yeah. Right. So he is supposed to be an attacking midfielder. Pineda made him into a defensive midfielder. Now he's yeah. put a bar behind him, and he's at sixes yeah. and sevens. He doesn't know who he is. Elliot, that's Sadich a great. Has, first of all, that's a great question for me because you know <laughs> you've heard the intro of the show, and I had to I had to struggle with it. And I had to say no yeah. just to stand my ground, <laughs> which but, is kind of why I wanted to ask. It yeah. Out loud. No, it's it's a great question, and and. Sadich, as as much as we criticize him, yeah. he knows who he is yeah. and what he does, possession football. And and to be honest, you know, if you want to give Sadich credit for something, so first of all, he got the one tackle we've ever seen. That was awesome. And that led yeah. to a goal last week. And then the other thing you have to say about Sadich, as you saw in this game, is he's just like, give it to Almada. Give it to Almada. <laughs> he knows who the good player is. 100%. And it's not him, it's Almada. <laughs> and so well said. Like, there was a moment where the game Game kind of quieted down. If you notice, there's like a little ticky tack yeah. between him and Sadie. Gave him and was like, "No, I'm gonna give it back to you. <laughs> you're there supposed you to have the ball. <laughs> you do something with it." Coach says you're better than me. That's exactly what my point was. Sadik was in front of him. He kept passing it backwards to Almada and to to Elliot. They played it back and forth. 
Four times. So to Elliot's point, if that means that you're play, playing with that one piece of the puzzle more conservatively just to keep the ball moving, maybe we are better with him in there. I don't know. We're better with him, but I think, to be honest... With Abara and Sosin, we're way better. Yeah, we're way better. Yeah. Because honestly, and you would say, look, you would say, look, Abara can't you know, keep possession and find open guys like um, Sadich can. And I probably would agree with that. Yeah. But that's not what the balance of this team needs. The balance of this team needs guys. The tackle that Sadish went that went happened to fall right to Almada, right? Um, that's what we need, and Abara will give it to us. All we need those guys for Abara is defense. Is, we Abara don't need is it for a defensive, physical, but not stupid physical. Nope. He's got a head on his shoulders. He doesn't get reckless yellow cards. Leave that up to Sosa to make. Get the yellow cards every once in a while because he'll he do does it occasionally. He, he does gets, occasionally, but and he, that's good. You need that. You need you, an enforcer. You, you a little do. Bit. That's my point. But also, Sosa has a little bit of a head on his shoulders as well. But yeah. he, he's going to get the unfortunate yellow card. From I time think to time you'll too. find that if you played those two, the other thing you'll find is that they are written off a little bit of what they can do offensively. Yeah. Both of those guys Both can those pass guys. the ball. Totally. Right? Yeah, they and they'll can, be better they than They can break lines, Yes, too. they can break lines. Yeah. Sosa, in particular, and, is a and, terrific passer. And importantly, yeah. with Gigi up front now, and that being an option, that's new, by the way, those two being able to make a line... Uh, uh, even Sosa, especially, can cut through two lines to Gigi. That's going to be interesting. I give you Papa Giorgio open, Almada open, Araujo yep. open, Wiley open, and now we have... Options. <laughs> exciting. This is exciting. This is, exciting. This is like the first podcast where we've been like very positive Extremely positive. I'm a and little thrown off. I don't even I know, know how to react well, to well, Good stuff happening. I have a, you know. Now it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say. Against Columbus that, Crew. If that happens, then I'm not necessarily well, surprised because I feel like it's, it's a band-aid. If he would truly fix it. If he, if I felt like Pineda really knew it was wrong and had truly fixed it, he's sort of fixed it. He's mostly fixed yeah. it. If I feel like he really knew it, then I'd be really confident. But the one thing Pineda we can't blame him for right now that Pineda can't fix uh. is the ridiculous international break rule that MLS doesn't have. <laughs> we have seven players out for the Columbus Crew game. Yes, that's insane. I don't that's not this. that's not a a crutch. I mean, that's a. That's a, a pretty difficult hurdle to overcome right now, man. Including I don't think Hernandez, who never plays. Yeah, and right. he's an international I, professional. Yeah, you were naming people. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. We don't even have Mr. Chole. We don't have. You know, like- the starting <laughs> right back Lennon is not on international break because he's not called up, but the backup right back is. Yeah. <laughs> Ironic. So yeah. yeah, we've got Hernandez out. We've got Miles out. We've got yeah, good for Miles for getting yeah. called back yeah, up because definitely. honestly, everybody knows he was going to be the starting center yeah. back in the World Cup if he was not Absolutely. hurt. We got yeah. Chol Etienne, mm-hmm. Almada, George Yakamakis, and who uh, uh, and, and Miles Almada and Almada, yeah, yeah. So seven players. Almada. Shockingly, Argentina still wants him. Yeah, <laughs> darn it. What that might happen more and more. So. Uh, yeah, the signals now after that goal and this performance is that if you're a European team right now and you're halfway open to scouting, maybe one of the best young talents in soccer right now has to be on the radar, right? Like those two free kicks, the last two games in a row, uh, those aren't luck. Those are spending a lot of extra hours probably in the training camp visualizing and executing 
senseless hours of free kicks. Like that. I'm always surprised that the scouting is not, you know, even like, for example, I felt like Al Marone was truly special. One mm-hmm. of the, the players you'd ever seen. And I was surprised that actually I'm like, if I were a European yeah. club, he could be a star. But the thing really is, good. and it, I was right. Yeah. Because but Almada is not under the now. radar. Almada yeah. is not under the radar. They were already interested in before he came to Atlanta United. There was already buzz about him. I think yeah. a little of the pandemic and some of the the controversy yeah. he was involved with probably held back some of the teams yeah, from making an offer. Incident. Yeah. Oh, that was Almada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, whoa. Okay. I which was about that. which is one of the assistant coaches on his team. Yeah. Uh, was on the run for like six yeah. months, so um, lots I of, don't think he did much wrong yeah, in that. D- right. Doesn't sound like it, but we yeah. weren't there. Don't know. Doesn't sound like it. Um, Kid seems like he's got a real calm, composure, professional, must be going about his business good here. I do think there is a decent chance, despite what I just said, that with all that, that Atlanta United gets major offers this summer, yeah. and they might want to sell him. Uh-huh. Um, if they get, you know, a $30 million offer, I think they're going to accept it. No, should not. I, I talked about will. this before. That's, I, I, I'm sorry. This kid, Christian Pulisic went for, what, 70 million euros yep. to yep. Chelsea? Yep. Who's better? From Dortmund. Who's better? In your mind right now. If you were, if you were picking your kickball team, Dave, you taking Pulisic or Almada? I would take Almada. Even though I think okay. I, I am really high on Pulisic, even I am with too. whatever he's I am too. I, I'm a, a Pulisic fan too. I think he was worth the seventy million. Yeah, okay, I think he's terrific. So, I you just said it, not me. Why, if you're Atlanta United, would you take anything less than fifty MLS. million? And 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 there, you know, it, it's like the thing, you know, if your house is worth, you know. Yeah. $1 million, but no house in your neighborhood th- has ever sold for more than 500000 But It doesn't matter. This is where you change the game. I, this is where you play hardball. And this is where Lagerway, in my mind, and we're going to find out what his medal is made of here because, hmm. in my opinion, you put you should put the price. Out. You know how we threw that crazy $50 million mark out for Amada maybe? Didn't we do that? Like, we'll take nothing less for 40 or 50 We need to put... The price tag for him then up to seventy. You know what's weird though? I am not kidding you. I BS you not. Why wouldn't you? Isn't that what he's worth? You know what's weird though? Uh, and this is the thing about MLS. It doesn't matter. So if if you're Manchester United or if you're any European club, yeah. financial fair play, you have to bring in a certain revenue. The transfer fees make a huge difference, yeah. right? But in MLS where you have a salary cap. Right, it's all about the salaries, right? The transfer fees don't mean nothing. No, they right? do impact salaries, evidently. Really? Someone was telling me that on the text. So, and and you should look into that for the next podcast. I don't know if that's true, and, but anyway, and, and, what I would say. Hold on, is, and the transfer fees that we get, MLS gets a a, a smaller share of the set. Like, let's say yep, we get seventy correct. million, they get like twenty million, we get fifty million. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. So now Atlanta United can reinvest in, I don't know who, unfortunately, Almada is probably the biggest star in South America. But what I'm saying is if you've got a billionaire owner like we do, right, and he can afford to pay it, then, you know, I mean, right, the fact that he wants to make money maybe. But but if he wants to pay for it, it doesn't really matter. It's kind of true, yeah. Um, And that's why the thing about Miles Robinson is less infuriating, right? Because Miles Robinson, we failed to re-sign, which, and he's clearly waiting out his contract. And I think you're right. It may be a combination of him waiting out his contract and the fact that they we don't have DP a designated slot, spot, player spot to play to they pay know, him. But they know that we will when it matters. Well, 
I don't think so. I think he's going for a free transfer. Okay. Um, and I think, and to be honest with you, I don't think they care that much because they don't have those constraints. But yeah. here's the thing. Even if, and I was talking to some people at the game and they were saying, Amada's gone in the summer, it's going to ruin our whole team. I don't think so. What I think is that Gareth Lagerway, the Atlanta United office, MLS overall, does not want Almada leaving this summer. They are fine with him transferring this summer, but as you pointed out on the last podcast, it would be a loan back through the end of the MLS season. That's not so good for him because he'd have to go without a break, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't hurt this season very much because the MLS season basically ends in the fall, and that's when they're starting up in Europe. So he's not going to miss any time in Europe, so the the club would be willing to to, to pull that deal, right? And that saves the face, if you will, for Atlanta United. If you are a club that's a selling club, fine. Yeah. Uh, nobody has a problem with that MLS. If you're selling a club in the middle of a championship run and it ruins your team, yeah. that is a really bad thing for MLS because that means that no, we don't care about your playoffs. Yeah. We don't care about winning. We just care about making so money. I'm just thinking about this on the fly, which I this all sounds good to us, right? Like we're looking at it from our perspective. But if I'm whoever and I want the Almada who I think anybody who's got an eye for soccer says, okay, this kid's a good bet for a 50 to 70 million dollar transfer right like he's got tons of upside he's super young like you don't see bangers like that from free kicks unless he's got something no you don't so (laughs) why in the world would you loan a player back to risk injury when your team needs talent now that you want to invest in and you've already because because atlanta united plays hardball Right, and they say that look, we're happy to give you the seventy million transfer. We have yeah. one condition only, and that is he has to be loaned well, back. Or, now. or to your point, maybe actually a, a lower transfer fee. Yeah, maybe maybe a lower have, transfer fee, yeah. but the loan. Yes, so, so it, that's it, a, that might be their leverage, right? Like we know he's worth seventy million, but we'll do we'll take sixty, take sixty, or we know he's worth fifty-five, we'll take forty-five, whatever it might be. Yep. But I don't think. I don't think, like, on the market value, we should sway from what that kid's worth. Now, if that means that we get a loan and win another MLS championship, okay, maybe I'm okay with that. I think if Atlanta United or any MLS club that's in a title kind of contention is a major playoff team, sells their superstar before the playoffs, it ruins the league. Because it says that the league is not worth nothing, that we don't care about it. And so if I'm MLS... They don't have, obviously, absolute control over this. But um, if you're Atlanta United and you yeah. want to maintain your fan base, you cannot sell Almada yeah. before the end of the season. You can sell him. We can be a selling club. We can have great players move on. I don't think their fan base is going to hold that against you. They will hold it against you if going into the playoff Almada yeah. leaves. Ruins, ruins the way it we're It ruins playing. everything. Yeah. Right? Interesting. I, you know, all points agreed on. Um We've encountered an air, huh? Oh, no. No, no. no. Yeah. We're good. It's yeah. every time we get a question. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if it's from that Tyson Butler guy. Yes, but no, Elliot, before y'all started talking about loan, Elliot was pointing out if they do accept any offer, he comes back on a loan. Yeah, yeah. we'd, we'd yeah. love that. So. I agree, Elliot. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I have a couple more things. Hit us. Hit us. So first of all, I'm going to start with uh, the positive. And then end with the negative, or you want me to start with the negative and with the positive? 
I have something negative. Go negative first and then end with positive. All right. All right. It's a positive weekend, Dave. Let's I end like with that. positive. I like that. It's not that negative, but right. here's the negative, right? So in the 66th minute, and you will not know this because you all weren't at the game, right? The Atlanta United supporters section erupted as they always do with the Atlanta United, Atlanta United yep. call and response, okay? And in the middle of it, it was immediately interrupted by a yellow card. Okay? Mm-hmm. So there was a yellow card. People were like, what's going on? And nobody said United anymore. It was when Araujo was bombing out the field again. Yes. Okay. So if you're the supporter section, right, that happens, right? This is, this is normal happens. It happens in, in European football all the yeah. time. Why can't you restart the call and response? Why is it that we started it and now it's gone? Right, it has to be whatever. So that happens yeah. all the time. Like maybe we score a goal and everybody celebrates, right? Then kick it right back off with Atlanta United, Atlanta United, right? Yeah. There is no rule that says that the Atlanta yeah. United can only be doing once in the first. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Is that your negative? That's the negative. Yeah, yeah, and okay. and and that on and on top of that, as I'm going to point out, which I pointed out before. Why do we have to do the same chant at the same moment in the, every game, right? So they have a leader, right? Clearly. And we need, this is why I feel like I wanted to talk to Nick, our supporter yeah. section correspondent, I'm calling him. I don't know whether he'll yeah. agree. but <laughs> He, won't. They, they he have, won't. He'll be like a beer sponsor correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, too. That's it. It's perfect. Like that. yeah. Bring us beers. That's even better. Um, they have a leader, right, who is running the whole show, right? So if that leader is running the show, right, that leader should be able to, or they should at least have a, a, a spotter, if you will, who's talking to them and says, look, right, for example, Viking clap, right, that they do, A-T-L, right? Yeah. It's really good for getting people going. They do it every game at the about right about the 40th minute before halftime, right it's something that takes time to build it's something that works better when there's not an exciting moment in the game when there's a guy down start the fucking clap yeah when there's down like there needs to be situational supporter sectioning yeah right like this idea that i've got it on my calendar that at the 40th minute we gotta do this is ridiculous and on top of that if you start the Viking clap and we immediately score a goal or something happens which interrupts it, do it again. Yeah. And we need more we need more player <laughs> right. chance. Yes. Yes. We, so so I, you know, I think this is like it, these are all like I'm for the most part, for what I'm seeing, like people with music backgrounds too. A lot of people playing the drums. I just have a feeling a lot of people over there can play some instruments, which means they're way more musically talented than me. So they understand rhythm, they understand timing and chance. Why can't we have player chants? Why can't somebody who can like create a poem or something write me a player chant? Do so, I have to have Chat GP do it for us? Do I, think I maybe either GPT is coming. Either we don't understand something about the supporter section. Yeah. So we feel that there should be more call and response because it's really hard in the stadium yeah. for everybody doing something. We feel that. Second, it shouldn't be the same chant every single moment. Third, there should be more player chants. Like. Why couldn't it be like, 
Georgios, Yakamakis, Georgios, Yakamakis, or anything like that. How stupid is that, right? Like anybody can do that. Think of that. And then if it gets interrupted, do it again. And by the way, if you're a part of the supporter (laughs) sections, don't get your panties in a wad. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Okay. Don't get your panties in a wad. Knickers in a twist. We love y'all. We're just trying to help. Yes. We're here to help. Yeah. That's what this podcast well, because, is about. No. So here's we're not just here to help because so what I would say is I think there's a culture in there and since we're not in there we're yeah, in we're, the we're, we're in yeah, the we're, we're in yeah. the prawn sandwich. We know, know. how hard y'all, we know you how that? hard you guys work on all the shit that y'all do. You remember Roy Thank Keen you. and he was like the prawn sandwich yeah. that's what but we've become. We're just That's trying to, we're here to try to our, our fancy Cherokee yeah. supporters we're box. We're on the advisory board. We're up here being a bunch yeah. of snobs trying to help elevate and level up. That's <laughs> so, all we're here to do. So the atmosphere at the Benz is really, really good. It could be Lights 30% out. better yeah. if they would actually try a little bit harder to engage the rest of the crowd. You know what else more... now that you mentioned it, they could use? What? More cowbell. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, always, every, everybody, always. Can, you, can you bring a cowbell in? I mean. They're not going to take it from you. No. They can't find a cowbell if they're going to look. Whew. <laughs> All, All right. I'm saying, so that's my negative. Okay. Is that I, and I noticed it as the thing that really got me was they had an amazing Atlanta United chant going in the first half. Atlanta United, Atlanta United. Um, they tried to get it going. It was a yellow card. It got interrupted. And it was only like one Atlanta United. It was just going. Yellow card, nothing. And then they're moving on. Yeah. I'm like, that's going to happen. The game happens, people. It interrupts people. Like, and you know, I feel like in the European, and I've been to a lot of European matches, it, uh, they don't have a leader like they do here in our supporters club. I feel like. Yeah. And... Granted, our stadium's huge, so we really need a leader. But um, I feel like because it's a little more spontaneous, it's a little bit more in tune with the game. Like the fans start, you know, in the in the. But that's like a hundred years of DNA. Maybe, but in Atlanta, because I got, when I was over in some of those games, and I'm like, what in the world? I was like, how do they all know to just say whatever they said, like out of the blue? Well, that, like, a lot of times it's it what like, happened it on the rough. field, right? So, so Jorgis, but Jorgis like like scores his first goal, and you can bet that the next thing that would be out of it would be Jorgis, 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 or whatever. But that's just it. it we need to keep Something. it simple, right? Yeah. So it, exactly like saying nothing fancy. Jorgis, 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 Papa, Georgia, Papa, Georgia. <laughs> like, we, we're drunk there. We don't need anything Call complicated. and response. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing is, is a singing thing for the whole stadium that's like, yeah. It's a little bit slower yeah. and can be brought yeah. on. Like, okay. I think they need a little bit. I like it. Yeah. All right. All right. So well, that's my negative. My which could be turned into a positive. I, so know? let's look at that as a positive. I feel like, you know, so we wrote, I still have it. We wrote a editorial to the AJC about this. Yes. And I feel like we could update it and it might be time to draw the wrath of every Atlanta supporter by being like, yes, this is what let's we think. poke the tiger. I love it. I think it might be time. It's what we're here for. Absolutely. And it's not drawing I've been wrath. So hesi- encouraging them. I've been so yeah. hesitant to do it. And that article starts with, with that we wrote was like, we love you. Like we yeah. literally love you. Yeah. Like, thank you for being like, there to do all that because it, you're I amazing. Mean, yeah. And it, and it, without you, it'd be nothing. 
There's so. 30% more cowbell is what we're saying. People. <laughs> All right. So that's going to be a good segment on YouTube. I think <laughs> dear supporter groups, dear, John. dear. That's what your son has to do when he posts that section is yeah. do dear something like John, dear Atlanta United supporter, dear groups. Abby, dear Atlanta United football groups and then he needs to name them out in the title and the description and all that What it should say is dear abby within crossed off abby and then it should say Atlanta united supporters group Love dear <laughs> abby, Look, their I mean. minds are always working always <laughs> working all right <laughs> so here's my positive are we ready to end this thing yeah because there's my positive. we are We're, Yay, we've talked about positive. it all. talked about it all except okay. the last positive when i was walking out of the stadium so tell me what what was the score again Five to one. Five to freaking one. People were like, we're back, baby. That's right. So I just walked slowly, and I looked around, and the smiling faces that I saw of the supporters walking around the stadium reminded me of what this club can mean to Atlanta. Yeah. And I have to say... There's another aspect to this, and this is actually true even during our darkest hour. The Ben's staff, right? They are so positive. Whoever is working oh, with the, the uh, best. Ben's staff, I don't know what he's doing. He's feeding them happy pills or something, or she's <laughs> feeding them happy pills. They, They've always been on happy pills. Right. Yeah. So I, between the, the, the staff, you know, saying... High five yeah. and wishing you a good day, which they're always doing even if we lose. Yeah. And then just walking around and yeah. looking at the faces of the people. Yeah. Oh. Magic. I love the way that ended. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay, sorry, gotta make y'all dance then. <laughs> Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. <laughs> I saw a photo of Jillian Sakovitz with the actor that plays Danny Rojas yeah. on the yeah. Twitter. It was pretty awesome. Nice. Her and somebody else. It was a great He's in denim. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> of course he is. <laughs> he like, he's going to be that guy forever. Danny yeah. Rojas. Yeah. I mean. Pretty much. Forever Danny Rojas. Yeah. Uh, typecast. So I thought we were going to end, but we're not. One last question. Okay. Can we win with all these people gone against Columbus crew on the road? So everything is going to be on Araujo trying to do too much. No supporting cast around him. I mean, and, yes. and if we win, does that give another feather in Pineda's cap? Well, so first of all, you got you start out of the bat. Guzan's there, right? Gutman's there. Lennon's there, right? Uh, Parata's uh, there. Right? A Abrams there, right? So Abrams has been bought to be the true backup for Robinson or Parata. We'll oh, see. Oh, but he's gone. I think he, you said he was gone Yeah, earlier. he's gone. He got yeah. called up too? I think, I think he's, he's Paraguayan. Or my, right yeah, but that? he got called up? Yeah. Without even said. playing, he's never played for us. I, was, uh, I thought he wouldn't get I like them apples. Up. I didn't think he got Why caught. shouldn't MLS have a rule to stop this, right? Yeah, so there we go. So who's <laughs> our other center back? Uh, Am I right on this, by the way? I'm pretty name. sure. What's his first name? Um, uh, <laughs> right. Well, y'all keep talking. Okay. Yeah. Do I thought Abrams was going to be taking well, we'll the place. We'll have Sosa, Ibarra, and then what? Who's that to? No, who's that to is probably still out. Oh, okay, yeah. So then you, you got to assume that he's starting Ibarra and Sadich again, right? Neither of them getting called up. 
A right? bar and say So yeah. nothing would change. Now, I would argue that, Wiley. especially if you have whatever's going to go on in the back center back, and we'll talk about that in a minute, yeah. if, depending on what Abrams is Who are we playing up front? So <laughs> is Wolf back? Is he playing at first? He's, uh, he hasn't <laughs> made an appearance yet, so that says but that he's can't play Chol up front. He's also on international duty. Yeah. And uh, we thought he was hurt, so he's obviously so, back don't enough say, to go to so international So I, I want to end the show, Dave. With all of this like processing yeah. your brain right now, yeah, it's a, it's it's gonna. Be, I mean, it's gonna be tough to win that game, no? Because I think like Columbus probably has one or two people out on the international. Day. Well, so what I would say is no, because I would still say, um, you know, you got Wiley, you got Araujo, you play as a false, right? So, so you're saying yes, we sh- we can win. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, because you know, um, you know, you go with po- oh, no, positive et- Etienne got positive called up frame too, right? Mind, yeah, Etienne's called up for was Haiti. I think yeah. so. See, Haitian? Yeah. I think so. Machop Chol is South Sudanese. Yeah, I was thinking and that we had a Abrams, third attack. Abram, Abrams Paraguayan, I believe. Peruvian. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking we had a third attacker um, besides Araujo and Wiley, because I was thinking we had Etienne, but he got called up too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine to watch. We're not that deep. <laughs> so we got we got two problems. Well, it is when MLS we got we got one attacker. We got one attacker who is a problem, and we have one center back is a problem. Yeah. Um. So so there's two choices in the center back, right? So one choice is Gutman goes in the center and Wiley goes back, but then we don't have anyone in the forward, so I don't think he's going to do that. You got to fi- figure that uh, Nick. What's his name? Brennan. No, the really signing? young center back who's I think pretty good. Is young center back that we signed? No, as we signed, he was a homegrown and he played in this year. He's only seventeen, but okay, he looks. Wow. He's I, a center back. Yeah, you would assume that he's going to start. Really? Okay, he played a lot in the preseason. Um, yeah, I, I know who you're talking about, but the name's not. Uh, yeah, coming to mind. All right, so then what is your so? Okay, you think we can win, but what's your predicted score? Now is Columbus missing anybody? I don't know. You have to look that up. No, because Nagby's oh. too old. Oh, sorry. Wait, Elliot too. said somebody with a Z. Cobb. Yeah, that's oh. it. Thank, Thank you, you, Elliot. <laughs> that's what we were trying to Noah Cobb. Noah Cobb. I told you, Noah Cobb. That's the center <laughs> yeah. back who's probably going to play, and he's yeah. good. Now, do I think that we would be better with Abrams? Sure. Yeah. Because I thought we were going to be Abrams as the backup, right? Right. So that that's a little bit troubling is that, you know, when you lose, you only have three center backs and you lose two of them. Yep. But so you, you would presume that because obviously there's two options, right? You can drop Wiley back to left back. He's, that's what he came up as. And then Gutman can play in the center back. I right? like that. Or you can play. But then who's going to be left forward? That's what I'm saying. I don't think you can do it. I think well, Wiley has to stay left forward. With with who we have attacking-wise, you can only play. Now, one option would be to go to three in the back, right? So you would say, so Gutman, Parata, and Lennon play a three back. Nobody goes forward. Mm. That would be kind of a genius for us. Yeah. Right? So instead of playing a... Um, four five one, which is what I, we, we we sort of play a four three three mm. or four five one, depending on exactly. I think maybe really call it a four three three, right? So four three three, you stick with that, you know. But instead of doing that, you just play a three five one, right? 
So you play the three guys. Lennon stays back. Yeah. Right. So you play Lennon, Gutman, and and um, Parata. You don't bring in any. You don't bring in Noah Cobb. Right. Right. Then you play five in the midfield. That allows you to have Sosa and Ibarra defensive, and you have Sadik in front of him. Okay. Right. You play all three of those guys. So. Um, and then you have um, Wiley on one side, Araujo on the other side, and it's just a question of, I mean, can we can we get some lucky moments? So you got to presume it's Barry up top, which yeah. is <sighs> not inspiring. Yeah, because you would have thought that this is the moment where Machap Chol is doing himself no favors by going on international. Yeah. He yeah. should have stayed, right? Yeah, because you know he would be starting probably over yeah. Barry. Yeah. That's what you want. But I I mean you think so, but maybe not. So those are yeah. the two options, right? So you play three, five, one with that. Or you go stay with the four. That means Noah Cobb has to come in, right? You stay everybody in the back line stays the same. Then um so you could play a four five instead of a four three three. Four five one. Four five one. Right, so you bring in Sosa. This is what I think he's going to do. That's what I think he's going to do. Play four. He brings in Noah Cobb to play four in the back. He keeps it with the unbalanced craziness, and then he instead of um, so he brings Sosa as the extra guy, and who's the, clearly the only senior guy who can yeah. you know really play right. Uh, assuming Josetsu is still injured, yeah. right? So then he plays Ibarra, Sosa, Sadich as the attacking guy. Right, all three of those. Then you play Wiley on the Savage left. Savage can only go backwards, though, Dave. <laughs> Wiley on the left. You play Araujo on the right, and Barry up top. That's the starting lineup. Okay, we shall see. Now the question is Columbus. So did that the the Mexican international? Did he get called up? I don't know. Elliot has done some research for us. Thank you, uh, Elliot. Elliot. We have defender Milo's Degnek. Degnek. And goalkeeper. Eloy Room. Yep, and then up above are out for Columbia. And Zella Ryan. Oh, Zella Ryan. He's Zella one of Ryan. their top players. Yeah, that's the guy I was talking about. So Zella yeah. Ryan is did get called up. So they've got three out. We've got seven out. And we're away. And our top three players are out. Not oh, good. I mean, wouldn't you say Miles, Almada, and Gigi? I mean, you could say Arugia is in that top. So I say we'd be we'd be lucky to get a one-one draw. Okay. Yeah. One-one draw on I'm, the road. I'm gonna be. Optimistic with a 1-1 one, one draw, but I wouldn't be surprised if we lose. But I think 1-1 one, one draw is fair. I'm going to call 1-1 one, one draw. Okay. Columbus is not a great team. I'm going to say 1-0 win at Lenny United. The coach is good, though. Again, because like it doesn't make any sense because we have so many players out. But You're going to say what? 1-0 win for Atlanta United. We're certainly not going to score five. Like yeah. No, I don't think so. Not, not with those guys. All right, I'm going 0-0. Nil, nil. I like it. That's a real soccer. Song. That's a real soccer. So it's a Simpson score for you. Right. High kicking, low scoring, ties. You bet. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Salute. Take care. Bye.